are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, the, the biggest problem, the biggest challenge that is before us, absolutely no other challenge is as critical as the one I'm going to describe for you right now. We are at this moment at the tipping point between civilization and total anarchy, an anarchy that will ultimately be managed through dictatorial chaos or totalitarianism. That isn't speculation on my part. That's the historical precedent. It always plays out that way. Remember, when you look back at history, thousands of years ago or in the last couple of hundred years, you see one historical dynamic repeated endlessly. And that is that when there is the wholesale destruction of a society, a culture, or an empire, like the Roman Empire, which was the mightiest empire for centuries, and prior to that, there were other empires. But the Roman Empire, like many other empires, fell from within. It didn't fall because of an external source, or, or though there was external invaders, but the only reason that the external invaders had the opportunity to bring down the Roman Empire was because the Roman Empire was already being torn down from within. And so we see that happening with what you could call the revived Roman Empire. The revived Roman Empire being this global, globalist cabal, this globalist government, this global government bringing about the Great Reset. This global government is deliberately being deconstructed from within because the people that are behind it are not some obscure, unknowable quantity. The people behind the Great Reset have openly stated for centuries and for decades, they have openly stated what their plan is, what they hope to accomplish, how they're going to get there with great precision. And because they are openly proclaiming to the entire world, it's not hidden to anybody. If you're talking to people that don't get it, remember, you're talking to people that are basically clinically insane. From a theological standpoint, you could say they have been swept away by what the Bible calls the great apostasy, which means the great falling away from the truth. And that refers primarily to, in the last days, there will be millions of believers in America, in the European Union, and all across planet Earth. There will be millions of believers who choose to accept an era or a lie, and they choose to reject the truth. This is what the Bible refers to as the great apostasy or the great falling away. Uh, by Christians who once knew the truth, and they, they get swept up in the most powerful spiritual de delusion that the Bible calls the great apostasy. That's where we are now. So let's look at it, and let's like inhale, exhale, you know, catch our breath, not do yoga, but catch our breath, and enter into like uh, wake up and smell the coffee uh, mode of consciousness. And you would have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see with great precision precisely what's going on. Because the, the clues to what's going on are everywhere. They've been placed out in the open 
for you to uh, process and comprehend. You know, what's ironic is that despite the fact that there are millions of God's people, people who claim to be God's people, people who claim to be Christians and Jews, etc., and followers of God, they claim to be followers of God, but in reality, they have become or are followers of Lucifer. And so the people behind this new revived Roman Empire, this, this great reset, they, by their own definition, their own words, their own books, their own movies, their own speeches, their own videos, their own television broadcasts, like Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, they, they are openly admitting to be Luciferians, Satanists, and occultists. And that is why they, they operate under an ancient Luciferian occultic principle known as order out of chaos, order out of chaos, or new world order out of chaos. The idea is for the Satanists, and by the way, Marxists and communists, and in most cases, even fascists, are essentially the theological disciples, and that would include socialists, such as the Frankfurt School socialists that, that created the, the watered-down theology uh, of some of, or, or a significant percentage of, what has been called the seeker-friendly church, not in all cases, but in some cases. The doctrine at its core is Luciferian because it, it utilizes the Hegelian dialectic. And the Hegelian, you cannot understand what's happening before you if you don't know the nuts and bolts of how they constructed the artificial reality that you live in. Otherwise, you're just dazed and confused. You're oblivious. Like the 70,000 people who attended the Burning Man festival a couple of days ago. They, they were trapped in the desert. They've been celebrating Burning Man for, for years. And Burning Man is an is a outgrowth of the Woodstock movement. And from the Woodstock movement, the, the spiritual fathers of Burning Man, guess who it was? Guess who the spiritual father of Burning Man was? I talk about him all the time in my books and on the Paul McGuire Report. It was Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley went to California. He did a lot of work in California. And he started this counterculture think tank where psychologists and occultists and uh, psychedelic scientists and, and all kinds of people would gather on the cliffs of the Pacific Ocean. And uh, they, they became a, a pop rock psychedelic uh, theology, which spread. And so from that movement, and I, I expose the hidden secrets behind it, because there are dark secrets behind it. I expose the hidden secrets behind Burning Man and the mother, if you will, of Burning Man, the spiritual mother of Burning Man, who the architect of the whole Burning Man counterculture, New World Order, was Aldous Huxley. He was there at the beginning of this other movement, which gave birth to the hippie movement, the counterculture, Woodstock, and then eventually the resurgence of the entire thing 
embodied in the form of Burning Man. Now, in a second, I'm going to get back to this, but I want to break open the secrets. Secrets, by the way, which are openly being displayed right before your face. So there's no way you can miss this. You know, when you're talking to people who claim to be clueless and don't believe it and all their other stupid excuses, I don't call them stupid to their faces. But they are stupid. Because the occultists have a principle besides order out of chaos. Their principle is they tell you, they tell you in advance of what they're doing. So, like, if they're planning a major crisis event, or if they're planning a major catastrophic event, or if they're uh, uh, planning a major chaos event, they habitually, according to the, according to their occult belief system, they have to tell you, in one form or another, they have to give you a kind of heads up or a warning before they they launch their evil plans. They have to tell you what they're doing. That's why when you revisit the actual history, the actual facts surrounding all the, the catastrophic events in the last 50 years to hit America and the world and other places, you will see an uncanny phenomena, and that is that the globalist elite will hold a conference, they'll publish their ideas, they'll have a, a trial run or a global planetary test, and, and they'll do a dry run through of what they're planning to do in real reality. So you see a continual pattern, and if you look for it, you'll always see it. You don't have to make it up. It's a fact. The fact is this, that every time there's a catastrophic event, such as 911, there were rehearsals, there were warnings, there were all kinds of, uh, let's call it acting out of chaos that happened before 911. So on a subconscious level, people w were alerted to what was going to come, at least in a, in a general sense. The same thing with a lot of these mass shootings and stuff. There always seems to be a dry run or a rehearsal or, or, or a, a place or a venue where law enforcement and rescuers and hospitals and ambulances, et cetera, et cetera, will organize and do a practice rehearsal about how they would deal with such a tragedy. And then, right on schedule, uh, days later, weeks later, six months later, or whatever, the, the tragedy, the chaos, the chaos event occurs. Because they have some kind of karmic belief system in their occult slash Eastern mystical uh, teachings that they have to give you a heads up. They have to give you a warning before they do it. That's why the United Nations, before the whole COVID-19 planetary pandemic crisis occurred, the United Nations, the World Health Organization, Rockefeller and other trillionaire billionaires, they held a, a test run of how you would manage uh, global chaos if it came in a particular way. And this trial, this, this trial run was conducted according to like scientific studies and public announcements and public relations and everything else. So when the real event came, when the lockdowns for COVID-19 came, when the pandemic came and it spread all around the world and they began to 
go through these various social engineering exercises like uh, keeping you in your house, isolation, uh, social isolation, not touching people, wearing masks. You know, when you go through item by item all the things that the medical, psychological, and governmental experts were telling you to do, such as wearing masks, such as staying in your house or your apartment or whatever, such as not going out in public, such as shutting down churches. You could go down the list of all the things you were asked to do. And all of the things that you're asked to do just happen to be on the main checklist of anybody who's ever studied social engineering, mind control, the programming of populations, the programming of mass populations, and all these other things that totalitarian regimes employ in Russia, in China, in Nazi Germany, they always go through a checklist of sociological, psychological programming, which they use these things like social isolation. Those become very, very powerful psychological weapons, psychological, if you will, molders and shapers. I know it's not good English, but you get the point. That these events these requests, these orders like social isolation, don't touch people, wear a mask, they all have beneath the surface, they all have secondary and third level and fourth level meanings above and beyond the basic understanding that you're being told, which is it's for your own good, you'll, you'll be safe from the germs. The germs won't get you in COVID or whatever if they were ever germs to begin with. Who knows? Nobody knows what seems to know what COVID really was. I mean, you could say it was this, you could say it was that. What if the primary factor in COVID, this is hypothetical, I'm not saying this is so. I'm I'm raising it as a question based on scientific inquiry. But what if COVID was nothing more than the sum total of the newly arrived technology known as 5G and 5G cell transmission towers, which I've been studying this and sharing with you, the listener to the Paul McGuire Report, I have been communicating to you as diligently as I possibly can for decades about this very topic. I didn't make a big deal about it, but I, but I put it in the show content because I care about you, I love you, and in the true sense of the word, I love you as my brothers and sisters in Christ, as children of God. I love you as a parent would love his children. I'm not trying to, to authenticate myself by conferring upon myself some, some patriarchal or fatherly role. No, that, that's, I would never do that. That would be a betrayal. I've tried with everything in me to be diligent, to warn you of what was coming, how it was coming how it would be enforced, and most of all, what I'm telling you today on today's Paul McGuire Report is that I have not finished my job, my mission on planet Earth. See, I was given, just like most of you, I was given a mission in this life to complete, and the mission that God gave me, it was God who gave me a mission, just like God gave you a mission, and the mission God gave me to complete consisted of moving into many spiritual battle zones and 
engaging in law-abiding, peaceful spiritual warfare inside of these many spiritual battle zones for the purpose of setting you, your children, your grandchildren, our nation free, for the purpose of preserving religious freedoms in America, for the purpose of preserving freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, etc., etc., so that, listen carefully, what was the motive? My motive was so that the gospel could be preached unhindered. My motive was so that we could together bring in a last day's soul harvest, like the Bible talks about before the return of the Lord, that we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But you and I both know that if you have a satanic, Luciferian elite running planet Earth, and they despise and hate the gospel of Jesus Christ with everything in them, they are not just going to willfully and merrily go along uh, or empower God's people to fulfill the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and saving millions of souls. They're going to fight against that every way they can. So one of the ways they fight against the spirit, this is how they engage in spiritual warfare. They pass or attack the fundamental laws that the Bible-believing pilgrims and Puritans embedded into our society when they gave us freedom of religion, freedom of the press, uh, freedom of speech, and other powerful freedoms. Because those freedoms, you know what those freedoms were? Open your eyes. Open your eyes to the light of Jesus Christ shining into your heart right now. Open your eyes to the voice of the Lord God who speaks to you in that still, small voice. And understand with the understanding that only the Holy Spirit of God can give you that God was talking to us all the time, decade after decade, year after year. God was always inserting his signature, the Lord Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He was always inserting his signature into world events and current events and spiritual battles and social upheaval. He was always letting us know that why he was always defending us when things looked bad, why the supernatural power of God would in an uncanny way be released time after time to defeat the evil principalities and powers of the fallen angel technology that has been in usage since the popularly since the 1800s. And I'll repeat that again, because you need to think about the implications of that. The fact of the matter is, and it's no you-know-what, the fact of the matter is, is that scientists like Nikola Tesla, who discovered free energy technology, or scalar technology, and scalar waves, Tesla discovered how to reach into another dimension entirely, and on an interdimensional basis, Nikola Tesla learned how to, with relatively very inexpensive technology, he learned how to pull out of other dimensions an infinite amount of power and energy and pull it into the present physical reality dimension that we now live in, giving us all the energy we could possibly need. God's signature was on that, because the globalist elite, part of the reason, got to understand that, that as disciples of Satan, this biblical verse often is applicable. For the children of this present generation are often wiser in their day, this day, 
the last days. They're often wiser in this day than the children of light are. Now, that's not the way God wanted it. That's just how it seems to play out, that the children of this satanic era, the new aeon, A-E-O-N, a classification created by Aleister Crowley, known as the great Satanist, and Aleister Crowley said that the age that we are entering into, and this was this was at the very beginning of the hippie movement, the counterculture, the immorality, the drugs, he called this coming age we were entering into the new eon or the new aeon, A-E-O-N, and or the age of Aquarius was another term he used, where occultism and satanic rituals would be the the guiding false light of mankind. So the critical thing to understand is they have certain rules that they abide by. Now, what is required of us, because God has never been more serious about our mission. You see, every one of us, every one of you listening, every one of you hearing my voice, Paul McGuire on the Paul McGuire Report, Every single one of you have been given by God a sacred mission to accomplish while you're here on this earth, just like I have a mission from God to accomplish on this earth. And I'm continually praying over that mission because I know that I cannot accomplish the mission that God has for me to accomplish unless I am totally relying on God's supernatural power, power from on high, unless I'm totally relying on the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God and the Spirit of God, unless I'm totally relying on the Word of God and the promises of God and the strength of God and and God's ability to answer my prayers supernaturally if I will pray to Him. See, the battle is won to the degree that we put our faith in the Lord's power to grant us victory. To that degree, the battle is won. And so we are at the precipice. Once again, I'll use the term the tipping point. We are at the precipice and we are at the tipping point of major human extinction level events. That's what scientists call them. We are at the precipice of major human extinction level events that have never happened on planet Earth before. And part of this is you've got God's people. I have been taught, the Lord told me to research frequencies decades ago. The Lord told me to research things like 5G technology decades ago. The Lord told me to research uh, pandemics, biological warfare, psyops, psychological warfare, spiritual warfare. There are so many disciplines and areas of study that the Lord either brought me through during the journey of my life or the Lord was moving invisibly behind the scenes to get me up to speed and to get me educated so that I could equip others, like you listening, wherever you are on planet Earth, so that I could communicate to you powerful truth, which would give you the ability to win the spiritual battle and to fulfill the mission that God has for your life. So I'm continually praying to the Lord. It's prayers of repentance. It's prayers of asking God for help, asking for the power of His Holy Spirit. It's simple things that when I have my—I do most of—not most, but a lot of my praying, I do with my head on my pillow. I don't fall asleep, except when it's time to fall asleep. But if my head on my pillow, it's a very quiet space, and I, and I 
entered deep intercessory prayer, and I enter what I call and have taught for decades on high-level spiritual warfare, where you're not just asking God to bless your meal, although I, I'm, I'm coming under increased conviction that the, the, the things done by our spiritual ancestors that they used to do routinely, and we became too sophisticated for, such as praying humbly over our meals in public and in private, I think we need to return to that on a case-by-case basis. And, and by that I mean, I always evaluate what I'm going to do or what I'm doing. I always evaluate it in the light of a number of things. Does it line up with the biblical worldview? Is it an expression of a biblical worldview? Is it biblical? But then I always ask myself, from the context of the great spiritual battle involving God and Satan and all the people that are on God's side versus all the people that are on Satan's side, I always ask myself the question, are these words, Paul, or is this, is this idea, is this admonishment, is this counsel, is this plan, or whatever it is that I'm thinking about doing, I always weigh in my heart, calling on the Spirit of God to give me wisdom, but I always ask God to give me His plan so that it is strategic and effective. Because, you know, good plans are a dime or dozen. Most of them fall into the dust. You need a good plan that has the backing, the anointing of God, which first and foremost means your plan has to entail a systematic approach to an operation which is both biblical and true and can be effective and highly strategic in winning the spiritual battle. And we are, we are, my dear friends, in, as I put it in the title of my book, we are right now in the greatest spiritual battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. And so it's all hands on deck. It's all hands on deck. And if all hands are not deck, are not on the deck, then there's a problem. All hands are on deck. Now, you cannot have, and by the way, I talk about this in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. I talk about this and Burning Man in my book, Power from on High, and A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. Um, And I put it together there, and I explain it. I've been explaining it for decades. Because through endless years of study and experience and research, I've come to the place where I have a a very good idea about what is going to happen next. You ever have that sense that that things are, are like quiet for a while, but you have this uncomfortableness that, that maybe the other shoe is going to drop unexpectedly? Well, when you study what we're up against, these people have a spiritual, logistical goal. They have a mission from their God. Their God is Lucifer or Satan. Their mission is to take over planet Earth for Satan in the form of a new world order, which is a one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world economic system. They have now rebranded the new world order. They call it the Great Reset. And the Great Reset is just another name for the New World Order and a one-world government, one-world religion, uh, and a one-world economic system. So, 
That is their goal. They want to subjugate and enslave every man and woman on planet Earth, with the exception of those that are in the Illuminati bloodline family elite, or the genetic elite that goes back to ancient Babylon and before. In fact, you can find the roots of it outlined in the book of Genesis when the fallen angels descended upon the earth. They looked at human women with lust. They married human women. They had physical relations with human women. And the human women gave birth to a hybrid species, which was a mixture of fallen angel DNA and human DNA. And that hybrid creature, that hybrid race, which was no longer human, because when your DNA is part fallen angel and part human female DNA, that mixture can no longer be classified as human DNA. It has to be classified as some kind of hybrid being. And the name the Bible gives to these hybrid beings that are part human DNA and part uh, fallen angel DNA are names like the Rephium or the Nephilim. Sometimes they're called the, the sons of God, not meaning the Son of God, Jesus Christ, but the sons of God, meaning the, the fallen angel, the fallen angels that uh, broke the purity of God's genetic code. Why would they do that? Because their mission is to get as many people to worship Satan as God as possible. Their mission is to take over planet Earth and rule planet Earth. Satan wants to be worshipped as the God of this world. Satan wants everybody to worship him as God. That's why Satan is working behind the scenes even now to see the setup and rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And it is the plan of Satan to, to go into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and uh, sit on the throne and demand that the people of planet Earth, that the population of planet Earth, begin to worship Satan as God when he sits on the throne room of God in the rebuilt temple of Jerusalem. And so all of the world, all of the Earth, will be forced to worship God, and he will have the, the Antichrist. And so in addition to the fact that the Bible, Bible prophecy predicts the coming of a false Christ or a false Messiah. And that false Christ or false Messiah is known as the Antichrist. And with the help of the false prophet, um, the two of these men, they are, they are men that are indwelt by the highest level demonic powers and the Antichrist is indwelt by Satan himself. So the Antichrist is going to be head of this new world order or great reset. But he gets into power with the help of what is called the second beast. The Antichrist is the first beast. Therefore, the whole Antichrist system, also known as the great reset, is known as the beast system. The beast system. Because it's horrific, and, and I think the name is extremely accurate, the beast system. And so the false prophet has the supernatural occultic power from Satan to perform false signs and wonders, false miracles, 
even stuff like the false prophet can literally call down fire from the heavens down on the earth to display all kinds of counterfeit signs and wonders. And the, the false prophet is head of the one world economic system and the one world religion. The one world religion and the one world economic system are integrated. They're one in the same. You can't have one without the other. Now, that should be nothing new to anyone who studies or bothers to read their Bible. And that would include pastors and seminary professors and denominational people and uh, Christian writers and Christian musicians and just about anybody who's a Christian should grasp this basic concept because you know what? Your life will be blotted out by the Lord. It will be null and void. You say, well, what do you mean? That's kind of really snarky of you to say that. No, it's not snarky of me to say that. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Read the book of Revelation for crying out loud. In the first chapter of the book of Revelation, God gives an unprecedented warning to the reader of the book of Revelation that the reader of the book of Revelation is not to teach Revelation, is not to interpret Revelation, uh, is not to decode Revelation, if you will, in any manner or form which would constitute false doctrine or false teaching. In other words, anyone who's teaching people about the book of Revelation has to be faithful to the integrity of the text of the book of Revelation. If they're not faithful and just making up their own ideas and inserting their own fantasies and occultic principles into the mix, then God warns them in the very first chapter of the book of Revelation that they will be severely punished by God. And then when you read the very last chapter in the book of Revelation, you see that God again resounds his warning to pastors and Christian leaders and Christians who would attempt to teach the book of Revelation, and he warns them that if you change or modify my words in the book of Revelation in any way, shape, or form, if you twist it or change it in any way, shape, or form, then your punishment will be is that I will blot your name out of the book of life. I will blot your name out of the Lamb's book of life, which means if you artificially alter or modify or change or twist or manipulate the meaning or take out some of the teachings of Revelation or add a bunch of stuff that's merely your own opinion, you have violated God's warning regarding the book of Revelation, and your name could be blotted out of the book of life. Now, the book of life, every single person who is going to enter heaven their name is already written in the book of life. Every single person who will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their name is written in the book of life. The only people's names that are not written in the book of life are those people who objected, rejected Jesus Christ's offer of salvation by faith in Christ, or if you have manipulated or distorted or twisted or perverted the plain meaning of the book of Revelation, God says that your punishment will be from God Almighty. Your punishment will be, I'd like you, and I mean this humbly and politely. Politely? I mean this humbly and politely. 
as I say it now, and I and I, I pray that there would not be any arrogance in my voice, but I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that, Lord, you would convict any man or woman at all, or any man or woman who calls themselves a Christian, who calls themselves a child of God, but they they have twisted your word in Revelation, they have changed and altered your word in Revelation, they have added to the teachings of the book of Revelation, or they have subtracted and removed uh, from the book of Revelation the, the truth and, and added their own ideas or occultic ideas. Now, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord says to you and to me that if we do that, our name can be blotted out from the Lamb's Book of Life. And if our name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then it is impossible for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you mess with the Book of Revelation, let me give you a contemporary uh, expression of how huge numbers, something like 60% of evangelical and Bible-believing churches in America mess with the Book of Revelation. The number way, what number one way they do that is they teach um, that they attempt to teach the Book of Revelation by teaching people that the Book of Revelation is not to be meant, meant to be taken literally. That the Book of Revelation uh, is just a bunch of allegories and symbols without any real meaning. Uh, they change what God is saying in the Book of Revelation. And the end result is they end up violating, twisting the book of Revelation. So the result is that everybody who is responsible for doing that, their names have been blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life, and they cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. They will spend all eternity doomed in God's supermax prison, which is the lake of fire and they can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's critical. So, the only way you can enter the kingdom of heaven is to put your faith in Christ, to be born again, and when you teach, which you are commanded to, you don't say, well, I'm not going to teach the book of Revelation, because if you did that right then and there, that form of disobedience would be uh, would cause your name to be blotted out from the Lamb's book of life. So you can't change the meaning of the book of Revelation. You have to be faithful to it. So my warning to those of you that, that believe you're God's people because you were born again or whatever, my warning to you as your brother in Christ, and I hope you take this with the humility that it is intended, because in all things I have to always add, for the grace of God go with I, I want to admonish you that's not strong enough a word. I want to exhort you. I want to warn you that you can't play with God's word. And when God tells you in his word, like the book of Revelation, the first chapter and the final chapter of the book of Revelation, that modifying or changing these words in any way, shape, or form will mean that your name is blotted out from the book of life, and you will not be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. God means exactly what he says. So the fear of the Lord and by that I mean not a psychotic relationship with your Heavenly Father in which you're shaking and, and going to the bathroom in your pants out of terror because you have a distorted relationship regarding your loving Heavenly Father, but the fear of the Lord, the legitimate biblical fear of the Lord, 
is the beginning of wisdom. And that simply means that when you read things like the first chapter of Revelation and the last chapter of Revelation, that you take with the utmost seriousness and you accept and you abide by the warning that God is giving us. So, you have to understand that it is the desire of our loving Heavenly Father to ignite an authentic, biblical Great Awakening and an authentic, biblical uh, Last Days Revival in America that will spread throughout the world. That is the desire of God. And I, uh, a friend of mine, who many of you know, uh, Troy Anderson, we've written a number of books together, like the Babylon Code. He sent me a private note the other day uh, through the Internet, and he, he reminded me of the vision I had a number of years ago that we included in the Babylon Code, where the Lord showed me a vision. And I've only had a few visions in my life because I have a very strict uh, requirement that must be met before I cavalierly call something a, a vision. But in 2012, I had um, an authentic biblical vision from God that was completely unexpected. And again, before I use the term vision, I apply what happened to me to the highest levels of biblical scrutiny. So that means um, I was in our bedroom with my wife, and uh, I was sitting at my desk, and she was still in bed, and, and I told her I wanted to start praying in light of the fact that, that the date we were praying on uh, was July 4th. And uh, July 4th, uh, we, we were dating in Manhattan on July 4th in 1976 when all the ships, you know, the great seafaring ships with the great sails and, and it, you know, it's a commemoration of the, the revolution that established America. We were holding hands and walking around Manhattan to to celebrate in this July Fourth, nineteen seventy six, uh, celebration of the real America, the real meaning of America. And and then we were talking about that, and I told her I felt led to bow my head and pray, and so. I described what I prayed in the prayer about repenting personally and repenting on behalf of the body of Christ and repenting over the sins of America. And while I was in the middle of this repentance, uh, and I don't want to describe the entire thing. You can read it in its completion and power from on high and in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. You can read it in its entirety in uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America where I get into all the specifics of the repentance and the miracle and the vision. And so, to make a long story short, but you can read the entire thing, because it's important. All of a sudden, my body is burning with the most intense white hot heat. And I look over at my wife and I tell her, and I try to be as clinical and as, as subdued as I possibly can, because I don't want to counterfeit revival with emotionalism. So I tell her with a certain amount of methodical precision in my voice that, darling, okay, uh, darling, Chris, uh, right now as I'm praying, something unusual has happened to me. It, it feels like my body has been set on fire, 
by the most intense heat I've ever experienced in my life. And I began to hold up my hands and look at them. And then I looked over at her and I said, my hands are literally at this moment burning with the most intense white hot heat. It's so intense. The burning in my hands is so intense that I can't understand why I'm not being physically harmed. And as I proceeded in prayer, the next thing I knew uh, is that I'm going to tell you exactly how it happens. Okay, so if you have a problem with it theologically, uh, you can bring up your questions, and I don't mean this with arrogance, please. You can bring up your questions to Jesus Christ. You want to know the legitimacy of what happened? First of all, analyze it in the light of Scripture. If it stays within the light of Scripture, it's God. If it leaves the parameters or the light of Scripture, obviously it's not of God. So I said to my wife, I feel like my body is burning and my hands are burning. And then poof, not, no poof, I shouldn't have had poof because there was no poof feeling. Forgive me, I'll be precise. The next thing I knew, I was looking down on the North American continent from, the, from a satellite point of view. And as I looked down on America, and remember, I just finished repenting for my sins, the sins of the body of Christ, and the sins of America. It was in the process of specific, authentic repentance that power of God came down upon me, and my body began to burn with the most intense heat. So let me repeat the, the biblical paradigm, which causes the on switch to be turned on in any authentic biblical revival. You cannot have an authentic biblical revival without having a, a, a time of authentic biblical repentance, where you get down to the real sins, not the superficial sins, the real sins, and you repent of them on behalf of yourself and the body of Christ. So I'm looking down on planet Earth, I see the North American continent, and I'm praying, and as I look down on the state of California from a satellite point of view, I see uh, God's people starting to rise in prayer, starting to stand up in prayer, repent of their sins, and worship God. And I hear this voice, and the voice says to me as I'm looking down at God's people, the voice says to me, they are starting to rise. They are starting to rise in prayer. And, and like God's people were. They were starting to rise in prayer all up and down the state of California, and especially Southern California. And they were rising in prayer. I knew that because from a satellite point of view, they were, they were very dramatically illuminated because the glory of God was all over them as they stood to rise in prayer. And then I noticed that slowly, as they repented of their sins, as they called upon God and worshipped God, as they started to rise in prayer, I began to see millions of God's people very slowly begin to stand and rise in prayer with the glory of God being poured out upon them, signifying a biblically authentic Third Great Awakening, which moves slowly from the West Coast of the United States to the East Coast. It moved from the West Coast all the way to the northern border of the United States. It moved south down to uh, the border of the United States, and it moved eventually then around the world, because the, the biblical Great Awakening that I was watching was moving into different continents and different nations around the world. Now, I had all of this before the Great Reset. Okay, so what the Lord told me from that, and then after a season of being in the Lord's presence, which was very invigorating, to say the least. 
after a season of being in the Lord's presence, what the Lord left me with, the takeaway, which is the message I'm sharing with you today, which is the message that I've shared with people all around the world and TV and my books, etc., is this, that an authentic biblical revival or an authentic biblical third great awakening cannot happen unless there is an authentic, heartfelt repentance of sins and a repentance of sins and an appropriation of the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us of all sin, in the intercessory prayers. And so this ignited a biblical third great awakening. But, now this is the important part, I never ever said that this authentic biblical great awakening, or this authentic uh, biblical revival, would happen unless there was first the mandatory prerequisite by God, which is that God's people had to humble themselves before the Lord, repent specifically of their sins, and it would only be after the repentance of sins met the requirements of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only when the repentance of sins met God's holy requirement would there be a biblical third great awakening or a biblical uh, revival. So there would be no biblical revival or biblical third great awakening minus serious intercessory prayer. So anything that's happened from that time forward, and I believe that the date of that was July 4th, 2012, we've seen seasons of revival, but we have not seen uh, revival at the level that the Lord showed me a level which I believe the Lord was showing me so that I could share with God's people that this level of revival is possible and desirable by the Lord God, who's King of kings and Lord of lords. But without repentance, the, the, the keys to the kingdom will not be open. Okay, so this was very serious. And then, you know, I was back in my body and discussing it with my wife, and I've shared this all over the place. Um, and people always, and you know what, I'm not upset. I'm not upset. Let them, they have to process it. Some people, it's very frightening to their theology that I would even say such a thing. Because somehow they've developed a, they don't mean it. So many of these people really love God and they really know the God, know the Word of God quite well. But they, they have developed this, this theology which does not allow the biblical space to be created for there to be an authentic, an authentic biblical third great awakening or an authentic biblical revival. And, and, and you know, it's great that you want to say that that can't happen. I see it all the time. I mean, every other day somebody's saying it on social media or whatever. There can't be a revival. Well, how do you know there can't be a revival? There can be a revival, but the condition is steadfast repentance, and a return to the Word of God. Okay, so that brings us to where we are now. The forces of evil, since 2012, the forces of evil have grown and grown and grown. The, the Luciferian armies, the architects of evil, the globalist elite, who, who I referred to and identified and classified and named uh, as the Luciferian elite, or the Satanic elite. And that was in my books and my media appearances, and that, that 
understanding of what we're up against went into the minds of millions and millions of people, both secular, Christians, or whatever, this whole concept of a a hidden, secretive, Luciferian elite that was secretly ruling the world and wanting to bring in uh, a last day's rule of the Antichrist and the false prophet. So that's, that's where we are now. Now, in a moment, we're going to come back, and I want to share with you powerful secrets from the Word of God that can unlock the power of God, that can, biblically, that can unlock the power of God biblically in your life, that can unlock the power of God biblically within the body of Christ in America and around the world. And if we get down to business and seriously repent of our sins before the Lord, I believe the Lord will ignite an authentic biblical revival and an authentic biblical third great awakening in America that will spread around the world. Because, you see, the Lord is strategic. It is the Lord's desire, above everything else right now in space-time history, we know that the Lord's number one desire can be understood by us in the following verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, the primary truth here, biblically, is that God so loved people, so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, that their faith in Christ should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the purpose of the Great Commission is to win people to Christ so that opportunity is doable and is, uh, is possible. So, we're going to continue to, to reveal the truth of what's really going behind the massive global planetary illusion that is being artificially generated using ancient and futuristic science fiction-like and science fiction-like sciences and science fiction-like technologies, a massive global illusion known as Mystery Babylon is being generated to deceive billions of people on planet Earth and to block them from coming to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. One of the uh, pivotal things that Sir Aldous Huxley was involved in was the creation of a counterculture, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the hippie movement, the counterculture movement, LSD, the whole thing. So Huxley, of course, who wrote Brave New World, but he also was like a spiritual father or spiritual guru, if you will, uh, regarding this eclectic think tank. And if you've ever been there, it's, it's quite fascinating. Uh, it's called the Eslin Institute, and Aldous Huxley was one of the key founders, if not the main founder, of the Eslin Institute. And the Eslin Institute, when you drive up uh, Pacific Highway Number 1, which is the highway that winds uh, around the very high cliffs and, and below the very high cliffs that, that, that you drive and wind around, uh, if you were to fall off the, the, the small highway, uh, you would crash into the Pacific Ocean. So as you go up towards Northern California, you're you're not, I can't remember the, the famous uh, golf tournament, uh, 
that is just on the other side of the Eslam Institute because it's a famous area of California. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I was doing something with Fox News Network and I was in that location. Uh, and I've been in the location uh, of the mountains and the massive redwood trees uh, and Eslam Institute. I've been in that area many times. So the Eslam Institute was this like think tank for Eastern mysticism, psychedelics, anything that was like counterculture. It was being practiced openly at the Eslin Institute, and below it is the Pacific Ocean. Now, what's really institute, but really interesting, is that when you do the spiritual genealogies of some of these thinkers and philosophers and movers and shakers who birthed the Eslin Institute, it's the same mindset. The same mindset that birthed Eslin Institute is the same mindset that birthed the Burning Man festivals. The Burning Man festivals are simply a physical continuation of the Eslin Institute. And so the Eslin Institute is there high up on the rocks overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And it's an interesting place because it's kind of desolate except for these beautiful redwood trees, etc. Uh, you take, you can go and visit the famous author Henry Miller's uh, house where his books are and, and things from his life. And Henry Miller was a very powerful intellectual, but he was definitely anti-Christian in his philosophy. So I would warn you or advise you, well, I would, I would caution you against going into Henry Miller's house, even though it's, it, at least it was open to the public, because you're going to be greeted with a statue in, in the center of the house, which is basically a pornographic statue, and I think you will find it offensive. So I'm not suggesting that you visit that, but just that you know a lot of writers and intellectuals and thinkers and stuff were, were hanging out and helped form the Eslin Institute, which helped form uh, Burning Man. Okay, so the guy, like a guru because of his family money, who helped uh, found the Eslin Institute was a guy named uh, Michael Murphy. And then there was another guy named Dick Price, who was like a self-styled American guru. And they, they actually, with the help of Aldous Huxley, uh, founded the Eslin Institute. And uh, the, the, the weird thing is they, they actually met Aldous Huxley only once, which was in January of 1962, when the author, Aldous Huxley, visited them briefly at the Eslin Institute. And you've got to remember, Aldous Huxley was not just this mild-mannered, super-genius intellectual that influenced my life and millions of other people's life with its promotion of psychedelic drugs and LSD and his books, Brave New World, and his brother was the father of transhumanism, um, uh, whose name was Huxley also. Uh, he, behind the scenes, he was orchestrating, he obviously had intelligence money flowing into his work and his groups, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know which intelligence agencies were funding his work. I would, If I had to guess, and it's nothing more than a guess, it would have been uh, British intelligence agencies that funded his work in America. But why would the British intelligence agencies be funding any work in America? What was Huxley into? What was the deep, dark secret that I discovered and, and wrote in my books and, and communicated to millions of people? The deep, dark secret was this. The entire counterculture, the hippie movement, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, uh, psychedelic drugs, Dr. Timothy Leary, Harvard professor, LSD promoter, uh, and on and on. That entire explosion of the counterculture, Woodstock, 
the doors. And synchronicity, no, I don't believe in hardcore synchronicity because it flows into the new age. But in terms of a limited synchronicity, ironically, by the hand of God, I end up living and moving up into Lookout Mountain in the Hollywood Hills near Laurel Canyon. And, and I didn't know it at the time. This was 19, 1986, and I was producing sci-fi uh, films for major theatrical release, you know, like, like uh, movies like Mel Gibson's uh, uh, Road Warrior, that type of film. But what I didn't know at the time when I was living up in Lookout Mountain was that Lookout Mountain was ground zero. It was this, the center of the epicenter of the shockwave of a global and national cultural earthquake because because when i lived there in 1986 i could have walked a very short distance and i could have been at the front door of alice huxley's house i could have walked a short distance and i could have been at the front door of uh, dr timothy leary the lsd prophet's house um not that far away from where i live was the lookout mountain avenue laboratory which was both a positional lookout against aerial invaders to L.A., or potentially UFO invaders to L.A., and the Lookout Mountain Laboratories were allegedly, and I'm not saying it with a certainty, allegedly, allegedly they were producing MK Ultra films. And, and certain researchers, researchers have come up with the thesis that the entire counterculture was man, artificially manufactured by people like Aldous Huxley, like Dr. John C. Lilly, like Dr. Timothy Leary, like Allen Ginsberg, and others who used social engineering, drugs, rock and roll, sex, and music to artificially create an anti-Christian, anti-Christian counterculture to replace the Judeo-Christian culture, which was once America's. So I'm looking at pictures of, of uh, the Eslin Institute. And what was interesting uh, is that Aldous Huxley um, when Alice Huxley died, he took a dose of mescaline, the psychedelic drug. The day Aldous Huxley died on mescaline was the same day that JFK, President John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. And ironically, in terms of synchronicity, Kennedy was killed, Aldous Huxley was dying on mescaline, and the great Christian apologist and author C.S. Lewis died all on the same day. Okay, I'm not going to take that for more than what it is, but it's interesting. So Aldous Huxley created this mass movement that ripped across America. When I was up in the Hollywood Hills, I didn't know it at the time. But you see, in the 70s, in the late 70s, the whole West Coast counterculture exploded out of just a couple of blocks from where I lived when I lived up in the Hollywood Hills. So the doors came from Lookout Mountain, and Jim Morrison with his rock and roll group, The Doors, and the title for The Doors was named after Aldous Huxley's book, Heaven and Hell and the Doors of Perception. And you had the Mamas and the Papas, you had the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you had uh, Frank Zappa, you had the Jefferson Airplane, you had all these mega rock and roll, uh, rock and roll groups uh, that, that flowered from the Lookout Mountain, Laurel Canyon scene. And then on top of that, now this is mind-blowing, on top of that, in terms of global mind change, and that's what was the real blueprint that was secretly stored, embedded within the Huxleyan agenda, 
was a global mind change agenda that would begin in the United States of America. And they raised up activists and thinkers and intellectuals and poets and filmmakers and rock stars and people like Huxley and others. They raised them up artificially. They funded them artificially to create a global anti-Christian Eastern mystical satanic movement. And it was launched back in the 70s. Now, if you would walk out my door in, in Laurel Canyon at the time, and I talk all about this, a much deeper dive in my books, Power from on High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, Volume 1 and 2. Um, um, other books like The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World and The Day the Dollar Died. You take those books and you, you recognize my first two books were written when I was living up in my house on Lookout Mountain Avenue. And the books were were my testimony of how I escaped the New Age movement and the occult, and the books were an expose of the New Age movement and the occult. And so if I walk down that same street, Lookout Mountain, if I walk down farther, far enough, probably the longest walk would have taken me to the Beach Boys mansion where uh, um, Charles Manson and the Charles Manson family lived. And then through intercessory prayer and allowing the Lord to supernaturally download into my heart and mind certain things, the Lord revealed to me that if I followed that same path from the Beach Boys Mansion and take it underneath or take it uh, across the street of Sunset Boulevard and take it up into the mountains again, if you travel far enough, the journey that begins at Lookout Mountain, where I lived, and Lookout Mountain Laboratory, it will take you through all the rock and roll stuff, but also on that same street, Lookout Mountain Avenue, and I write about it in my book, on that same street, naval intelligence created a special operation that included the famous science fiction writers Robert Heinlein, L. Ron Hubbard, who also founded Scientology, Isaac Asimov of the iRobot series, and many other big-time science fiction authors. Now, including German, Nazi, rocket scientists, and philosophers. Now, when you cross over Sunset Boulevard and take it up into the hills, and in the process you'll pass by that famous cowboy ranch that Charles Manson and the family used to hang out at. But if you go deep, and I've done it with GPS, and the Lord supernaturally showed me how I could uh, gather information. And what I discovered was that in the middle of nowhere, in the high desert, up in the mountains, was one of, one of if not the most powerful nuclear reactor in the United States of America at the time. So in the middle of nowhere, camouflaged by the desert, there's a massive nuclear reactor, uh, much of it that's built underground. And the Lord revealed things to me about that. And then the other part of that disclosure is that Manson and his family hid out there in the caves and stuff. But that, that the Nazi rocket scientists that were brought into the United States of America, the Nazi rocket scientists, the Nazi mind control scientists, and the Nazi uh, uh, genetic scientists, uh, 
came into the United States under Operation Paperclip. And many of the gigantic rocket uh, global corporations, they built, not only did they build and test the V-2 rockets and the subsequent rockets up there in that mountainous region with the help of the Nazi rocket scientists, but also they built the giant rockets that carried uh, men aboard the spacecraft, the Apollo series and the other series. So you can see these pictures. Most of them are black and white. Some are color. And you'll see these giant trucks. But these are the trucks that, you know, would have to fit in a lane on the freeway. But these massive trucks uh, are carrying these massive rocket engines for Apollo and other NASA rocket missions. And they're carrying them through these winding desert dirt roads. And you see that that semi-secretly, semi-secretly, there is an entire enclave constructed by the big-time rocket companies like Northrop and others, uh, which at one time had huge plants, rocket plants, uh, in uh, the Canoga Park area of uh, Los Angeles. And they would build these rocket engines. They would test these rocket engines up in the mountains, hidden away from the public. And this was done. I mean, Werner von Braun was there, and there's photographs of the Nazi rocket scientists there. So this was all going on. And then up in Lookout Mountain, before I got there, there was a German scientist. He was the world's greatest expert on the Nazi occultic uh, force called the Vril Force and the secret societies of the Nazis like the Vril Society and the Thule Society. And, and the Vril Force was supposedly a supernatural power that the Nazis tapped into to, to defeat their enemies. So this is within walking distance of my house. I mean, it's really bizarre, don't you think? It's like, it's like very strange. Um, and so this, this stream of energy and the, you could call it the Nazification of America, because this is something that's overlooked, and I expose it in my books in great detail. Uh, in fact, I exposed it at such a high level that a lot of uh, television shows like Stranger Things and stuff, their writers obviously came across my books or my interviews, and they copied the the accounts I had of people like L. Ron Hubbard, founder of Scientology and sci-fi author, uh, accounts I had of uh, uh, Robert Heinlein, author of Stranger in a Strange Land, the accounts I had in the book of all kinds of Nazi riot, rocket scientists, MKUltra, Nazi uh, uh, programs. And when you explore the territory in the rough terrain, this mountainous terrain where they're building, with not the help of Nazi scientists, they're building rockets uh, and experimenting with all kinds of things. There are these very secretive caves, interlocking caves, and other interlocking underground places which seem to be a warehouse for rockets and subterranean uh, manufacturing. Because, again, through the leading of the Lord, when I was exploring how Werner von Braun, I felt led by the Lord to explore how Werner von Braun, the Nazi rocket scientist who later became the head of NASA, how he built and constructed the Nazi V-1 rockets uh, in Europe and Germany. What he did was, is he would take a concentration camp, okay, and then underneath the concentration camp, 
he would create these gigantic vault cavernous rooms where he had the concentration camp victims assemble uh, the rockets like slaves deep underground. But when, when America or, or England or other nations would fly over these concentration camps, all they would see was the concentration camp and the concentration camp victims, because all the, the rocket building and, and harnessing the vast pools of labor were done secretly deep underground. And then the actual towers that were always proverbially present in these concentration camps, they would have these large guard towers. But these large guard towers were not just for the purpose of watching over the prisoners. The guard towers served a secret dual purpose, and the secret dual purpose of the concentration camp guard towers was those were actually the architecture of these large rocket launchers. So if you came up close and examined the the guard towers, allegedly the guard towers of the concentration camps, they would look like guard towers, but the more you inspected the guard towers, either from the air or from the ground, the guard towers could be moved with machines, and all of a sudden the guard towers would would go down automatically, and the guard tower would kind of come back up and materialize as a very powerful rocket-launching tower by which they could test the V-1 rockets and the V-2 rockets and their other rockets. So at many concentration camps, they had, they had a dual purpose. They were concentration camps with all their horrors, but they were also rocket-testing, rocket-building, rocket-launching facilities. And so the Lord began to show me that, that when they came to America with Operation Paperclip, they would not have just rebuilt everything. They most likely would have used pre-existing technology, pre-existing concepts. And the primary concept is the fact that they built all these rocket plants deep under the concentration camps. And the guys that were heading it, make no mistake about it, whatever you've been told, you were lied to. Werner von Braun was a flat-out Satanist, occultist, a member of secret occult German societies like the Vril Society, the Thule Society, etc., etc. So when he came to America with the other Nazi rocket scientists, and he became the head of the American rocket program, uh, and he became, von Braun became the head of NASA, the secret coding they were using which I explained in my books and I talked about publicly years ago in A Prophecy of the Future of America. This linked up, and then shortly afterwards, there was a secret linking up of people like Aleister Crowley, Jack Parsons, who was the practicing Satanist, who was the disciple of Aleister Crowley, and Jack Parsons built and conceived and created the Jet Propulsion Laboratory also known as uh, the Parsons Laboratory, and uh, he got involved in Satanism and the building of rockets, and he was, the, he was super rich, had a giant mansion in Pasadena, California, and uh, was a center of occultic activity. And all of this is going on intentionally and on purpose to, to take first the United States and destroy, fundamentally, the Judeo-Christian 
thinking and heritage of America that we got from the Pilgrims and Puritans, and then, if violently, if necessary, manufactured crisis, order out of chaos, reboot America as a occultic, satanic, socialist, communist, uh, totalitarian regime in the style of uh, Brave New World. So all of this is swirling around, which brings us to our present day, to Burning Man and other things. This same assault on the consciousness of America, the same assault on uh, the theology of the church, the same assault on Christians, Christianity, Judaism, the same assault on biblical truths and a biblical worldview is continuing with ever-increasing acceleration right now in our lifetime. Now, it's not an accident that the same Nazi billions of dollars and trillions of dollars that was secretly smuggled out of Nazi Germany during at the end of the World War II, uh, that money was funneled into the building up of secret corporations and secret laboratories and secret weaponry projects across the United States and across the world. And it is not just happen chance that this same significant Nazi money uh, created and, and some of the family lineages of the World Economic Forum, like Klaus Schwab and his father or grandfather, the, the company that, that Schwab's parents or grandparents owned was a company that was doing big, big business with the Nazis. And so there, there's a Nazi connection with the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset. There's a Nazi connection to all these globalist organizations, the, the ideologies and belief systems of the Nazi genetic scientists and the Nazi uh, uh, beliefs in a master race uh, all came, was financed and used with American ideas, the Rockefeller laboratories, but the Nazi beliefs in genetically modifying people to create a master race came out of the Nazis. The mind control and MKUltra was a hybrid project between the Nazis and Aldous Huxley, who many people consider the father of MKUltra. So then, in terms of actual societal experimentation, and so in the example of and the goal of the radical agenda to radically transform America by any means necessary into a pseudo-scientific, futuristic, artificial reality, artificial DNA and artificial virtual world realities is being created right in front of us by a globalist elite that have gone through this Nazification, a globalist elite, and their goal, they only represent 1% of the population of planet Earth, but they control 99% of the wealth. Their goal is to take over planet Earth, to totally enslave Christians and all of mankind, but specifically enslave Christians and Bible-believing Jews to serve the Antichrist in their new world order. So it's not an accident that the primary warning signs that the Great Reset signals to us are warning signs like a biochip implant, a global cashless currency, a uh, nanochip implant, a neural implant, and the whole sleight of hand, this master stroke of trickery which is demonic in nature, was to take under the guise of the pandemic, under the guise of COVID-19, under the guise of uh, a number of things, people were brainwashed and manipulated into receiving a, an injection 
to receiving a uh, injection for COVID-19 or the pandemic. But when the contents were examined of what was in the vaccination or the vax, they discovered that it was all kinds of weird chemistry and technology. First and foremost, what many medical researchers allege uh, what was in the COVID vaccination or the vaccine was weird chemicals like graphene oxide. Now, now the only reason you'd put graphene oxide in the chemical of the vaccine is because graphene oxide represents a metallic substance that can go through the bloodstream of a person. And graphene oxide then turns the human body and the human mind into a powerful broadcaster or transmitter of electromagnetic frequencies. And then on the other hand, graphene oxide uh, represents a receiver of electromagnetic frequencies and a receiver of uh, uh, broadcast. So every person after they get the vaccine, uh, it becomes a broadcaster and a receiver via the graphene oxide and other components of electromagnetic frequencies. So all of this was discovered early on by the Russians and the Nazi rocket scientists. They were studying frequencies and vibrations like I, I have in my books. I have, you know, I blow open the secret door of this technology in my books like Power from on High and The Greatest Battle and A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. They were studying all of this stuff, and they recognized that you could weaponize electromagnetic frequencies into like a death ray, kill ray, or even worse, directed energy being weapons. Some people allege that the, the total vaporization and destruction of Lahaina Maui came from either directed energy being weapons that came from satellite in outer space or directed energy being weapons being aimed at Lahaina from some other location. And that created the superheat, the melting of houses, the melting of cars, the vaporization of cars and bodies. There's no way an ordinary fire could have vaporized Lahaina. And then you have these weird things like big-time celebrities who are buying land in Maui And the accusations that, well, were they trying to protect their real estate or was there something more sinister going on? But you'd have to be out of your mind to look at the carnage of Lahaina and not understand and not recognize that this is created by a directed energy beam weapon. Now, the other thing is there have been allegations, and I don't know how true they are, allegations that many of the super wealthy that live on Maui that they deliberately constructed their homes or mansions or buildings or whatever with a blue color for the roof. A blue color for the roof built in or through various paints or whatever. The point is that allegedly what some people are saying, and I don't know, I can't verify the full truthfulness of this. I'm simply putting it out there. But what has been said by certain scientists, etc., is that if you understand the nature of electromagnetic frequencies, Remember that everything in this physical reality world is ultimately a projection of a specific numerical electromagnetic frequency. So, for example, if they're firing directed energy beam weapons to vaporize Lahaina or wherever, 
whatever the, the, the weapons were firing, it had to be an electromagnetic frequency that corresponded to a specific numerical number in terms of the frequency of the electromagnetic frequency. So <clears throat> the color blue, like any other color, every color in the color spectrum, red, yellow, blue, green, whatever, all of it generates or transmits or broadcasts a specific numerical electromagnetic frequency, which differs from color to color. So the theory is, is that the color blue allegedly used on the houses of these trillionaires and celebrities, that that color blue would broadcast into the air, into the atmosphere via the color blue, a specific numerical electromagnetic frequency. And so when these scanning frequencies were looking at Lahaina and the surrounding territory, the computers attached to these scanning technologies would register the specific electromagnetic frequency number of the color blue, and then they would veer off and not vaporize, not destroy, and not burn down any structures which had the color blue for a roof. Whereas if you use the color red or black or brown for the roof, then that would have attracted the directed energy beam weapon and vaporized it. Not hard to understand. So you have to under, so what I've been saying, because the challenge for me is to be able to get people up to speed, to equip all those people who love God and the things of God, and to win people to Jesus Christ. That has been my mission, and the goal is to be effective in the mission. So the critical aspect of all this <clears throat> is understanding that we are fighting against not only principalities and powers and the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places, that's part of our spiritual battle, but we are fighting against spiritual entities, principalities and powers, fallen angels, high-ranking demonic powers, st demonic strongholds, Satan, Lucifer, and satanic and Luciferian technologies. And we're in, we're in an all-out death grip battle with these forces. And in order for us to win, we need to recognize that planet Earth, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is not, you know, the plot for a sci-fi movie that I'm trying to sell or something. What, what this is about is the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the truth is, is that there is a secret enclave, a satanic or Luciferian elite operating with massive amounts of money, trillions of dollars. They are globalists. They are Luciferians. They are into creating a new genetic code for mankind via transhumanism. And their game plan is to totally enslave every single person on planet Earth, force them to accept a chip implant, a nanochip implant, or a neural implant, plug every person alive on planet Earth into a wireless hive mind or world brain. And part of the technology which facilitates this takeover, this Luciferian takeover, part of the technology which facilitates this is that when you um, are enslaving people by dominating their minds and creating artificial or synthetic realities for them to live in, the illusion then, the apostasy then, becomes the new reality becomes the new world order or the new order. And so when you finally come to where we are in, in history at this time in technology and science, and this has been my challenge and struggle, is trying to 
share and communicate the realities of these advanced technologies, the existence of these advanced technologies, to educate people and communicate people as to the, the fact that they do exist starting 40 or 50 years ago. Yet I've labored to do that, and I'm doing it right now. Because God, God's mission for you and I has not been altered. God wants us to save as many souls as we possibly can in the last days. The only way we can do that is to use weapons which are more powerful than, than the Great Reset elite weapons. The only way we can defeat them and preserve our freedom is to utilize supernatural technologies, supernatural wisdom, supernatural uh, uh, physics, etc., is to utilize those things, and they intend to rule planet Earth on behalf of Satan with those technologies. You and I, God wants us to understand from a biblical worldview that those technologies exist. Those technologies, though, are often neutral. So let me give you an example. 5G technology can be used for good. It can be used for healing, energetics, which is a form of electromagnetic frequency healing. It can be used for all kinds of accelerated communication purposes. Um, and there are many positive healing and good benefits from 5G technology. However, on the same hand, 5G technology, when you ramp up the power and, and you move the 5G technology up in its power output, and you're, you're pumping out different but higher and more powerful numerical electromagnetic frequencies, then all of a sudden 5G technology becomes a death ray. It, it, it has the power to become a directed energy beam weapon. It has the power to create the Havana syndrome, where you can secretly beam EMF waves at an American embassy from a, a distance, and then all of a sudden, and mysteriously, as time progresses, People, American diplomats, are dying of these dangerous cancers in uh, the American embassy. But it's an incremental death that takes years to occur, and nobody knows it's happening. But what's causing all these mysterious cancers, such was the case in Cuba and Havana, the American embassy, what was causing all the cancers was the death ray 5G technology that was being fired at them from a remote location. So we need to understand that these things exist, and then we need to understand the pattern and the playbook they're using in their attempt to conquer us. They warn us ahead of time. They, they follow a particular procedure and plan. They, they use the most sophisticated and advanced technologies that they possibly can. And what is preventing right now, right now the greatest counterforce the greatest counterforce in the history of mankind since perhaps the days of Noah, when God dealt with the fallen angels mating with human women and creating the hybrid race of Nephilim, Rephium, part human, part fallen angel creatures that were no longer technically human. And so God had to preserve the integrity of his creation because it was only through preserving the integrity of his creation that God could continue to create men and women with intact, genetically coherent 
human DNA and a human, authentically human DNA code. Okay, because only somebody who is 100% human in their DNA can enter the kingdom of heaven and can be saved. You can't be saved if your DNA is a hybrid mixture between a fallen angel and a human woman. That person is a mixture. They can't get into the kingdom of heaven. Satan knows this and God knows this. So it's a very dangerous thing. And that is why Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what happened in the days of Noah? Yeah, we know the fact that God judged the earth for their wickedness. But God, in the days of Noah, flooded the earth with the great flood of Noah. And the primary strategy that God employed in flooding planet earth with the great flood of Noah was that was God's strategy to intentionally kill off, to intentionally wipe out every single animal, human, bird, every single species which had allowed itself to be contaminated by um, the DNA produced by fallen angels and demons uh, interbreeding with the DNA of human women. But also, these fallen angels experimented genetically, experimented in terms of DNA. The fallen angels were finding ways with technology and other ways to mate with all the varieties and species of snakes, animals, birds, uh, a vast spectrum of God's living creation was contaminated with the DNA of the fallen angels and the demons. And that's the truth. So what happened was the only way God could continue his program, which is going to result in the salvation of trillions of people and the opening of the doors into the kingdom of heaven, the only way God could continue on with his plan is he had to flood the great earth with the great flood of Noah and wipe out all the creatures that were genetically defiled. That's the only explanation for what otherwise would appear to be an irrational and hostile act by God, but we know that God could not be either irrational or hostile because the biblical God, God is love. So the great flood of Noah was intended to wipe out corrupted DNA, and God instructed Noah how to build this super ark where two by two all the animals on the earth male and female would enter this super ark including the families of Noah his wife his sons and their wives and they were uh, protected from the great flood of Noah God wipes out all the corrupted creation and then God says what he said to Adam and Eve he says the same thing to Noah and Noah and their families he said be fruitful and multiply, which basically meant start over again. Start over again. God is saying, I know my creation was corrupted. Now I'm commanding you to start over again. And so mankind did. And now, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, we see this resurgence of illicit mating between fallen angels, uh, demons, who are mating genetically with human women, creating an unnatural and perverse hybrid species, a hybrid DNA code, which is an illicit mixture between the DNA of a human female and the DNA of demons and fallen angels. 
So as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of coming of the Son of Man. What God is saying, what Jesus Christ is saying there, is that uh, there's going to be a similarity in what played out in the days of Noah and what's playing out now. And what he meant by that, at this exact moment, the, the secret mad scientists, the Nazi genetic scientists, the genetic scientists, the DNA scientists of the Great Reset, of the, the wicked plans of Julian Huxley and the wicked science of transhumanism are designed to, to take ordinary, sinful, fallen man and artificially make man into some kind of hybrid species, artificially force man to become like a god, even though he's not god. And so God cannot tolerate this, and so he's going to judge it. Now, he said he's not going to judge it with a flood, but God is not going to allow this perversion, this perversion of human DNA begun and initiated by the elite to continue without dealing with it. You understand? It's so vitally important to understand that. And so you and I were called for such a time as this. We were given a specific mission. So I'm asking you to join me. My, my clarity on this has never been more crystal clear than it is now. My understanding of the historical, economic, scientific, technological, societal, psychological, neuropsychiatric interplay and consequences of all these seemingly diverse streams of discipline and thought, I've never been able to process it with more clarity and more intensity than I have right now in my life. And I believe that the Lord has given me that download, so to speak, so that I could share with God's people, you, others, that uh, I can share with God's people and people who are seekers of truth. Once you explain them the truth, what's going on economically, what's going on globally and genetically, and what's really going on with the, the hidden agenda behind the vaccine, COVID, and the vaccine in the vax, and uh, the, the secret, dark, satanic, Luciferian agendas, once you begin to explain that and communicate that cogently and coherently to people, all of a sudden, the scales fall from their eyes. All of a sudden, they can begin to see the truth. And to the degree they allow the scales to fall from their eyes, and to the degree they allow the, themselves to see the truth, it is, to, it is to that degree that God is able to do his work in your heart and my heart and their hearts, break up the hard ground, plant the seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ, water it with the Word of God, and water it with the Holy Spirit. And as it regenerates from the redeemed soil, it bursts forth with a, with a global harvest, a global harvest of authentic, biblical, human DNA souls for Jesus Christ that will spend all eternity with Christ by faith forever and ever and ever. And so we will, we will defeat the globalist elite, the Antichrist, the demonic powers, we will defeat them on every spiritual battlefield. But in order to do that, we can no longer afford the luxury of being double-minded. We must rise in his glory to the call of the Holy Spirit of God. So as God calls his church, which is us, to rise in his glory and to worship him to the degree we obey him, by rising in his glory and calling on upon his name, 
to the degree that we obey that command is to the degree that God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out his Holy Spirit with great purity, great power. God will pour out his Holy Spirit. The church will no longer be sandbagged in the labyrinth of endless chaos and confusion, but the church will be walking in the blazing light of Jesus Christ, occupying the land until Jesus Christ comes. And then in the the consequence of all this, God will infuse us with the supernatural power of God, also known as power from on high. And as we are filled with power from on high, or the power of the Holy Spirit, we are supernaturally energized to defeat the demonic armies. God will, on our behalf, summon the angelic armies of the Most High God. God will, on our behalf, summon uh, the technology of God, like the chariots of fire and numerous other evident technologies of current time and throughout history. Numerous technologies which signify by their own existence and reality that we are, in terms of the space-time continuum, we are far, far, far farther down the road than we ever been before. We are approaching the time of the Second Coming. And when that occurs, the, the globalist elite, the satanic elite, they will be the men and women depicted in the book of Revelation, who, who in total fear and panic, because of their rebellion from God, they, these, this globalist satanic elite, the mighty men of the earth, are going to hide in the crevices, they're going to hide in the caves, they're going to hide in the rocks and the canyons, and they're going to cry out to be spared from the wrath of the Lamb who is to come. So the book of Revelation gives us a detailed explanation of how the mighty men of the earth, those that worship Lucifer, are going to hide in the rocks, the crevices, and the caves in order to survive an apocalypse. In the meantime, as I've explained in great detail in my books, like uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and The Greatest Battle and Power from on High, I explain in great detail, I list the locations by name and geographical reference. I list the the, the geography, the names, and the physical territory of these massive underground bunkers, these massive underground bunker cities that are secretly built deep underground all over the United States and the world. And in these deep underground bunkers, there exists horrific clandestine DNA experimentation where man in rebellion from God is illicitly attempting to create hybrid species of fallen angel DNA merged with human female DNA. So this is the time that the Lord has called us to, and I need your prayers. I need you to ask God, Lord, show me what you would have me to give financially or in terms of a donation to Paul McGuire and Paradise Mountain Church. And then whatever God tells you to give, no matter how outrageous it may seem to you, the the issue is not whether it's outrageous. The issue is not the amount. The issue is always the same for you and I. The issue is you and I are to give whatever it is that he puts on your heart to give. So when when I ask the Lord, or you ask the Lord, Lord, how much would you have me give to such and such ministry or minister or whatever? And whatever the Lord places on your heart, it's our responsibility to simply step out on faith and obey the Lord, to simply do whatever the Lord tells us to do. And it's the obedience that causes us to be rewarded. 
It's the obedience. Now, the obedience can be involving a relatively modest contribution, or the obedience could be uh, a larger contribution, like $5,000 or $20,000 or $10,000 or $100,000 or whatever. But here's the key point. The issue before God is not how much or how little. The, the all-pivotal, critical issue is this. God wants us to, uh, to learn how to obey him with precision. So what God is expecting from us is for us to give financially or with a donation whatever it is that the specific amount God's asking us to give. We're to do that. We're to obey that. That's what God is looking for, obedience. So the reward you're given for obedience is based on the precision of your obedience. It's not ultimately about how much you give or how little you give, because God may ask you to give a lot, or God may ask you to give, relatively speaking, a more modest sum. But your reward from God is contingent on obedience, doing precisely what God called you to do. And then help us, and thank you so much for helping us. Uh, We're fighting back against this rigging system. It's evil, and I don't have time to go into it. Thank you for signing the e-blast. Thank you for joining, signing, and liking our social media pages. And thank you for your willingness to obey God and get engaged in spiritual warfare so that we might together be victorious in this last day's battle for America and the world. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And remember, Jesus Christ is Lord. He returns. Not as, not as a slave. Jesus Christ returns as King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ returns riding a white horse where it says faithful and true. With Jesus Christ at his return at the second coming are the armies of heaven behind him. And then Jesus Christ will descend with the armies of heaven upon the valley of Megiddo, which is where uh, the battle of Armageddon is played out. And Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords will defeat the Antichrist, the false prophet, all those who've received the mark of the beast, uh, all those that are joining sides with Lucifer. Jesus Christ will defeat all of those people, and Jesus Christ will defeat all the armies of the earth that are in alliance against him at his second coming. Now, just think about this for a moment. When Christ returns at the second coming, there's going to be signs in the sky, in the heavens. There's going to be signs in the earth. It's going to be a multidimensional warfare. And when Christ returns at his second coming, he is going to destroy all the nations and the nation's armies that have decided beforehand to come out and attack him and to come out and attempt to destroy Jesus Christ and to destroy the armies of heaven. That's what they think they're going to get away with but they will be destroyed because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And then he will send them into the lake of fire, and then he will bring about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, the 1,000-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And you and I, we're joint heirs with Jesus, and we will also be partakers in the great spiritual victory which causes Satan to be enslaved and the fallen angels locked in chains for all eternity. So victory is on our side, and we shall prevail, and we shall overcome. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us.